Law Talk with BJ, the podcast where trial attorney and legal commentator BJ Bernstein and her guests discuss the latest issues from around the legal world. BJ is a frequent commentator on television and radio. She's unique in that she not only comments on legal issues, having been lead counsel on numerous high-profile cases of national interest, but her relatable personal style allows the viewer to understand the law behind the headlines and why it's important. Now, here's your host, B.J. Bernstein. Welcome to Law Talk with B.J. I am going to the next level with a topic that we have already touched on. So if you haven't heard the podcast that I did about um, choosing a lawyer, this jumps off from there. Because once you've chosen a lawyer, the next thing is, how is that relationship going to work? That includes how is the best way to communicate and share information with your lawyer. And of course, it has to get to that point, how your lawyer is going to get paid. Um, And there's a lot of different things and different ways to pay your lawyer depending on the type of case. So actually finding that one lawyer that you've chosen that has the experience and a general rapport that matches you Um, is the first step. But of course, that part is handled relatively quickly. And depending on the legal matter you have, you may have met them just once and hired them, which is pretty much the norm. But then it can be a very long relationship. I mean, some litigation goes on for years. And so like any other personal relationship, um, like a family member or a spouse, an employer, that relationship has its ups and downs. It can include a lot of emotion and communication with each other is important, but in the right way. The best way for this relationship to work is to go ahead and talk up front with the lawyer you've hired as to how best to communicate. Let's face it, it might be your only legal case and issue. If that's a case, it's front and center to you in your mind most all the time. You may wake up in the middle of the night and think, God, what's happening with my case? Whether it's an arrest or a personal injury case, or you've been sued or a divorce or a will dispute, cases, as I said, take a long time. And for real, you're not going to talk to your lawyer every day about it. And yet, Even if you're not talking to them, some people decide, well, I'm going to text my lawyer, email the lawyer, and that can work, but it also can can cause problems in the relationship. The reality of a case or a situation with a lawyer is on the front end, there is a lot of communication because they need to know about your situation, and so you're going to be giving them both, you know, sitting down and talking to them or writing out long explanations of everything that happened that's the subject of the legal case. There may be documents that you have, contracts that you have, emails and phone calls, things that your lawyer will need to review to be able to assess, you know, what your case is and what you need. So, the best thing to do is be ready on the front end. If you know you're going to hire a lawyer and you know you have documentation that they're going to need, 
go ahead and get that stuff ready. Bring copies of the communications that you have, um, or these days have an electronic copy ready, whether it's on disk or a little thumb drive or talk to the lawyer is, may I send you these items? It's incredibly helpful for your lawyer to zero in immediately on what the communications are and do that in the least amount of time. And we're going to talk about why time um, is important, but time can also cost you dearly. If you're unsure what's needed, ask. Um, Even before your meeting, you can say, is there anything I can bring to your meeting um, that you haven't already mentioned? Now, some lawyers are good about saying in advance because they know clearly what your needs are, um, what to send in. You know, if you're having a corporate attorney look at uh, some corporate issues, you may want to go ahead and have the bylaws, the rules, different things with the corporation at issue and go ahead and send that. Other times, you you know, it's an arrest and all you have is just the little sheet of paper when you bond it out and that's fine, Bring, but bring that with you. Um, again, homework on your end, on the front end and throughout the relationship will help both of you be satisfied with your legal relationships. Also realize many lawyers will have a detailed form to fill out that requires a lot of work on your part. Um, Ask them in advance, you know, is there a form that I'm going to need to work on before I even get there and I'm happy to go ahead and send it to you or be be ready to do it fairly quickly after the relationship starts. That way everyone knows what you know to best advise you. Um, Depending on your billing arrangement, and we're going to get to billing and paying the lawyer next, you're also going to find that you being as organized as you can be will just help you in the long run cut down on costs, expenses, or questions back and forth. Now, I I do have some clients, and I get it. Listen, you wake up in the middle of the night, and I get a long email when I wake up in the morning um, explaining a lot of things that have been on their mind. Certainly, that's fine. Just talk to your lawyer in advance saying, um, or or not, or you know, it's just that sometimes it, it, for every email you send, if you are on an hourly rate, you're paying for that email. So sometimes it's best to just keep a running sheet of paper and write down things that you want to tell your lawyer so that when you see them or you do one big email with a lot of questions, everything's there instead of it broken up e- email by email. So I mentioned that word paying the lawyer. Um, and that is can be very expensive. It can be reasonable. Um, but what I think a lot of people don't realize is there are a lot of different ways. And depending on the type of case, there's a lot of different um, mechanisms for paying your lawyer and how that fee comes about. So in general, we think about certain ways we pay lawyers. We pay lawyers by the hour or they're paid on a contingency fee contract because it's a personal injury case and they get a percentage. There are lawyers that work on a flat fee. There are lawyers through a prepaid legal services plan that your office may um, provide. So I want to go through all those in more detail because, again, you know, it's not just the outcome of the case that you're concerned about. You know, it is your money. It is your relationship. And just as with relatives, a relative that owes you money and doesn't pay you back can cause a lot of drama. The same thing with a relationship with your lawyer, not having that upfront 
conversation about money um, creates um, difficult relationship when you don't need to add difficulty to what it is that you're dealing with. You're already needing a lawyer, and sometimes that's stressful. Why add more stress? So going to try to empower you there by this podcast. So one type of charge that is commonly used for routine legal matters, and when I mean routine, I'm talking about maybe a real estate closing, a simple will, um, something that you may commonly need a lawyer for, and you can maybe agree to a fixed fee that you're told in advance what services you'll receive for that fee. The nice thing about that is you know what you're paying with a fixed or a flat fee. Um, Now, the one thing about it is it may be that it's a fixed fee just for what the lawyer has done, and that's common, but there could also be expenses that go with that flat fee. So you want to make sure also that when you're coming up with that flat or fixed fee, You then ask the question or your lawyer will bring up with you that um, there are going to be some expenses. For instance, when you do a will, there are certain types of paper, there are certain types of filings. Um, When you do a lawsuit, there's perhaps, you know, a fee that you are paying the court. And those are expenses that are getting added on. But an experienced lawyer may have an idea. And in fact, some lawyers may say, I'm going to have you pay me this flat fee to do this basic employment contract, but I also want you to give me some additional money up front to hold in my trust account so that I can work off that for expenses outside of my office. So in case a courier is needed because of a time issue or a um, sending it um, by overnight mail services, which costs more, or having um, someone else outside of the law firm review or do something to prepare that document in a certain way, you know, that costs money. So not only do you want to establish what the flat fee is, but you can say, do you have an idea of what the expenses are going to be connected to what this project is for a flat fee? It can also happen in criminal cases and that criminal is unique and that many cases will just be a plea of guilt or others go to trial. And for the lawyer, you not paying your lawyer may not be a reason for the lawyer to withdraw from the case. And what I mean by that is sometimes in civil cases, when someone quits paying a the judge will accept from the lawyer a request to be removed from the case because you're not paying their fees. But in criminal cases, I've found over time that that is very difficult because you have a constitutional right um, to have counsel. You're facing jail time, so it's not just a money thing. There are legal guarantees that a person facing jail has a right to counsel regardless of their financial circumstances. So in a criminal case, the lawyer tends to want to be paid up front. Now, the person could be in jail without working. There's no reasonable belief that they would be later able to pay, especially if they're sentenced to prison. So that's another reason why the lawyer is wanting to be paid up front. Um, the other part of it is... Sometimes the best result that a lawyer can get 
is short of trial. So let's say your lawyer works really hard and you have a very serious felony charge. And with that work, the whole case gets dismissed. Well, that's the best thing possible. You know, you didn't have to go in front of a judge or jury and all the drama. Your case went away. And so that is covered by the flat fee. But also because what I talked about with the courts having interest that you're represented um, throughout the case, let's say you choose not to plea. Well, then the court needs to know that the lawyer is there and ready to present the case and try that case. And they're not worried about the legal fees. So that's part of the beauty of the flat fee in a criminal case. Now, some lawyers will break it down and say, you know, up to a certain point, you'll pay X amount. And then if there's a jury trial, I'm adding on another dollar amount. But you may not see that. I think you see a lot of the flat fee because that decision to when you're entering a plea um, can change. You know, at the beginning of the case, you don't know much. As the case goes on, um, it may be seeming, seeming like you're going to trial. And then right on the eve of trial, the prosecutor finally is getting ready for trial because they have a lot of cases. Uh, And they all of a sudden decide, oh my gosh, I'm going to drop it to something dramatically less. And they don't tell you that till you're literally showing up for the courthouse expecting a jury trial. So then your lawyer has done all the work that goes into preparing for a jury trial. And so that's another reason why the flat fee is there because you may not have actually had the trial, but the lawyer did all the work going towards that. And the other part of it is that you don't have a financial incentive to keep the case going. Your financial incentive at that point is what is absolutely best for you. So don't be shocked. Now, a lot of some lawyers do do hourly um, for a criminal case. Again, what the part of this podcast is telling you is there's a lot of different ways to do this. And the key is talking about it at the beginning of the relationship. If you don't talk about it at the beginning, if you don't put it in writing, then nobody on either side is happy or protected with regard to their rights. So just remember that as you're going through it. Now, beyond a flat and fixed fee, there is the hourly rate. In other words, a lawyer bases the fee on a fixed dollar amount for each hour or part of an hour spent working on your legal matter. Hourly rates can vary depending on the lawyer. So you've got to ask your lawyer or they'll tell you what the hourly rate is. And then also you want to follow up with, can you give me an estimate of how many hours you will really spend on this case? Most lawyers will do that. They've been, had experience and they'll know, you know, it may take me 12 hours to do what you're asking me to do. I may be able to do it less. At least then you have some concept of that. Um, ask if other attorneys or employees of the firm will be spending time in your case and what rate will they be billed at? In other words, a partner at a law firm may be charging $400, $500, an hour, whatever it is. And then they have a younger lawyer who may work on it and have a lower hourly fee or a paralegal may be working on it in the office and be it a fee at less than $100. And so you want to know those billing rates as well, because it will help you know when you're looking at your bill that you get later, what's coming on your bill. 
Also, remember there are fees really for anything outside of the office. That's how I always put it to people. There are expenses that are just outside the office that I expect to be reimbursed. For instance, if you're filing a lawsuit, it costs money to file that lawsuit. You have to pay with the court for the lawsuit. You have to potentially pay a process server to serve the lawsuit. So already on the front end, you're getting fees that add into the hourly rate. And so again, on the front end, you want to know um, if you can, what you expect and how much money does the lawyer think it will take, understanding that they can't promise uh, um, completely what that's going to be. Now, on that hourly rate, you want to know how the time is billed. So some lawyers bill in tenths of an hour. So a three-minute call could be 0.1, one-tenth of an hour. Um a quarter of an hour, 0.25. Um, so you want to know like every time you're calling your lawyer for a conversation or every email that you're sending, if that's being billed at what amount, it can help you help yourself to not do that stream of consciousness sending 10 emails to your lawyer when if you just sat down and thought for a few minutes and put it all in one email, you could have considerably cut your bill and asking questions. It's not that you shouldn't ask questions. It's just, again, realizing every time if you have a lawyer at an hourly rate, then you are being billed at that hourly rate. Now, sometimes at the end of the case or at a certain point when they're sending out the bills, the lawyers may edit some things out, um, but you can't rely on that. You need to kind of take it upon yourself and be pro a proactive consumer like you are as a consumer of anything else. When you purchase a car or whatever it is, you are wanting to know all the fees that are rolled into the purchase of the car and the taxes as to what it is you're going to be financing over time. So that's what you want to try to find out from your lawyer. Again, they won't be able to tell you completely because if you're, let's particularly in litigation, they may know what they're going to do, but the other side may go crazy and do above and beyond what you would expect. And their response is going to then increase the cost because they're having to respond to what the other lawyer does. Um, and, and, Personal injury cases, which I'm going to get into in more detail, usually the lawyers that are defending a personal injury case are hired by an insurance company and paid by the hour versus what happens with the plaintiff's lawyer, the lawyer who is suing, that's a contingency fee contract. So let me talk to you about what contingency fees are. That's commonly used in accident cases involving personal injury. You know, when you're suing someone for money, um, the fee is contingent upon the lawyer obtaining a monetary award or settlement for you. For example, the lawyer may get a certain percentage out of what you are receiving, and that number can be negotiated. So be aware that when you agree to a contingency fee arrangement, you are, though, also responsible for the paying those court costs and other litigation expenses, like there's may, may need an expert witness. Whether you win or settle out of the court, those are costs and litigation expenses that can be deducted from the monetary award you receive. 
So let's say you have a settlement for $100,000 and the law firm is getting 33% of that. So then after that 33%, let's say it cost $150 to file the case. There were several depositions. Copies of those depositions maybe cost $4,000. Perhaps you needed an expert in your case. An accident reconstruction is something common in a personal injury car accident case. So that may cost $2,000. So you can see where what you thought was just going to be a third of the money going to the lawyer will be more and less for you because all these other people have to be paid out of it. So it's just something to know. I don't I, I don't think you're going to necessarily get around that, but you want to know in advance that percentage. You want to know what the costs are And just, you know, you can ask your lawyer, just keep me up to date as the case is going along, I'd like to know. Um, Or if you want to wait to the end and just be surprised when the settlement statement comes, certainly that's your um, prerogative. But again, communication, if you're getting the gist of part of this conversation, is communication between you and your lawyer, just knowing up front takes a lot of the drama and anger later out of the situation that I didn't know what was happening. Now, every state is different, but contingency percentages, as I mentioned, can be a third of what is received or settled or what what the jury came back with, or it can be more, but depending on the complications of the case, it can be 40%, it can be 50%. Again, you want to talk to the lawyer about it, and you may be able to negotiate it. Um, sometimes there's a structure to it where if the case is resettled without a trial, it may be 33%, but that if it's going to require a jury trial, then that's ex- exponentially more work for the trial itself and the amount that the lawyer gets after a jury trial is higher. So take a quick, make sure you're just not sitting there so eager to go forward in your case that you just don't ask the questions and that you understand what they've presented to you as a contingency fee contract. Also, again, expenses, filing fees, private investigator fees, expert fees, those can really be high in medical malpractice cases because you've got to get experts to testify against other doctors, products liability cases, police misconduct cases. Those all come to mind as a lot of money for experts and something to remember. Also, you've got to pay that court reporter who's taking down that deposition that you're at. You've got to buy the transcripts that they're doing. There's court costs and travel because some cases You've got an expert from out of state, you have to fly them in, or the lawyers have to go to the other parties. And so everything may not be in state and more things that will cost in the end. Now, again, with the beauty of a contingency fee contract is if you are not successful and all that money was spent on your behalf, you won't owe the lawyer the money. In other words, the lawyer is gambling that they are correct, that your position is strong and good and that they believe that they can recover. And you want to make sure that in the contract that they will be bearing those costs if it is not successful. Now, 
Another situation is ask where a lawyer asks for retainers. That is getting money up front to hold an escrow or trust account or called an IOLTA account so that the lawyer knows that you are going to be paying the bill and it's ready to go and they that that hourly retainer is being worked off. This means the lawyer accepts a down payment toward the legal fee for services in exchange for that retainer. The lawyer will be available to work for you on the agreed legal, legal matter. Um, and then they also have on retainer the money to pay for the costs and services you need. So again, those funds are kept in a trust account or an escrow account And then only as the lawyer does the work can they transfer funds from that trust account to their own account. And you can certainly ask your lawyer about how and when that is done in your case. Now, as you've heard, all these different ways to make a contract, uh, time can be a huge issue when you combine with the communication part of the relationship. It's what I talked about at the beginning, that every mail, email you send can be billed, every phone call. So if you're one of those people who want to call every day of the week, again, as after I've had this whole discussion about what you're paying and how you're paying, you want to think about how you're doing it. You know, the old adage, time is money, is particularly true when it comes to the law. And litigation in particular can take years. It can, it's maddening for everyone. But keep in mind that as you handle your case, that you're not the only client. An experienced lawyer, a good lawyer has more than one client. And it may take a moment to remember that when you're demanding something immediately and not realizing your lawyer may be on trial somewhere else. So again, it's why that communication situation is so key in the relationship. Now, I'm a member of a lot of lawyer Facebook groups. That may sound horrible, <laughs> but there's a, associations of criminal lawyers, corporate lawyers, women lawyers, um, all different types of things that all chat about things. And when I see that, um, I, I also see one of the attributes of where lawyers are frustrated back with their clients. And... So it's something, although the lawyer obviously should exercise the most patience with a client, you know, if you have hard feelings with one another because of how you're working together, then the relationship may not be so good. So one of the things that I see the most is that sours a relationship can be when and how you're communicating um, and making sure that it's a two-way street. So first of all, just know that some lawyers could actually write into their contract that they're going to charge you for after hours or weekends. So if you're one of those people that wake up on Sunday morning and decide that you're going to send all these emails to your lawyer or insist on a call, um, that may cost you more. Some lawyers set that up. Some lawyers are very strict about the parameters of your communication time. And although it may seem harsh, it's how they can help you Um, And know that, you know, this is not a 24-hour, nobody can work for 24 hours straight, except for maybe somebody who's an intern at a hospital. That's a whole different 
structure, <laughs> a whole different job. But you get what I mean. Your lawyer is not going to be there every moment of the day. So the other part of it is when people get a lawyer to do something and then they're frustrated later um, and don't pay the lawyer or don't go along with it. And and that is a lot of the do-it-yourself type of dangers. Um, I saw this one posted before I came on over to record the podcast and I take special note. Um, The lawyer was working with someone on a very complicated 10-page power of attorney. And so they decided um, that they didn't like what the lawyer did, so they didn't want to pay for it. And they, they just made their own will. And the lawyer was like, what do you mean? And the lawyer's like, well, I got with my mom. I helped her make a will. It was just one page, and it's like we wanted. And of course, you got two things happening there. Because the folks decided that it was too much what the lawyer was charging. Um, They just refused to pay for the work that was done and didn't use what the lawyer provided them and instead made up their own will, which we've talked about this some on another podcast, is about the worst idea possible. There's so many things that can happen with wills and litigation that you do want a will done and reviewed by a lawyer. Um, that it hurt everybody. So the lawyer's angry because the lawyer didn't get paid. It turns out those folks, they may feel like they did something better, but they got the worst of all worlds in terms of getting something that would protect the family member with that will. So um, again, it's that communication two-way street that's important. Now, there are some prepaid legal plans out there. Group legal plans work a lot like medical insurance and the employee pays into the plan and if they ever need a lawyer for basic legal services such as a prenuptial agreement or a real estate closing or a will or bankruptcy, then they call on the plan administrator and they get a referral to an attorney that's within that insurance network. So it may not offer blanket coverage for all legal needs, but at the very least, at the minimum, It may have protection for the minor stuff. Some of these legal plans are provided by an employer, and if it's provided and it's reasonable, it may be something that you want to think about. But at the same time, the more complicated or serious an issue is, you may need a lawyer with skills beyond that plan. Um, It's probably safe to assume that those legal plans are not paying as high of hourly rates as other lawyers um, demand. And so for something super complicated, they may not be the right person. So if you have that available to you, certainly check into it. And again, you you know, some counsel is better than no counsel. So you may want to look at it. One other thing that's relatively new and shaking things up, and that is subscription legal services, which may be very good for small businesses who are growing but can't afford in-house counsel. And I've got some younger entrepreneurial leaders that I'm thinking of right now with this. Uh, there's an attorney, Aaron Gertzenstang of EHG Law in Atlanta, Kim Bennett of K. Bennett Law LLC, who are legal industry disruptors. And by the way, that's not a person I, I know. I've met them both. 
Um, I'm not telling you to call them or, or, or use them specifically, but they are part of a group of young, dynamic lawyers who are looking at the business model of law and trying to help um, businesses in particular deal with having a project um, and having someone who's ready to be there, but not ready to hire that full-time attorney. So going beyond just a project attorney, but someone who actually learns your business, um, will work and help with you as the business grows. And it may be that they help get your business ready for hiring a full-time attorney to deal with it. So these subscription legal services has worked out, I think, for a number of folks. um, And where you're paying lawyers on a monthly basis and they are ready and suited for your particular business issues. I know Aaron, who I mentioned, is offering one dealing specifically with legal issues with the hemp industry. Um, There's so many new regulations. There's so many new laws trying to catch up with that growing business. Um, You know, you may want that for your business. So that's just another thing to think about, particularly those of you in the business community who realize, you know, I need something in between paying by the hour versus having a full-time attorney on board you know, the attorney likes it because the attorney knows I'm going to get X amount of dollars per month. And so I'm ready to service that client and be available to them. And that makes the client happy because the client then doesn't have some huge legal bill because they had a few more questions that month or some um, sort of crisis they needed more advice. So it's an example of Things can change and anything can be negotiated between an attorney and their client. Hopefully this has been helpful to you because, again, you think you'll never need a lawyer and then you really may. And when the moment comes that you need a lawyer, it's hard sometimes to get yourself together, particularly if if it's from a serious injury or a death something traumatic or even something dramatic in your business that's potentially affecting your livelihood and the people who work for you or a death in the family with the will and the disputes that can happen, that just a little bit of planning and a little bit of knowledge in advance and thinking about law in advance will help you and your loved ones and that attorney do the best job possible. That coupled with thinking how you're communicating with the lawyer and trying to make sure that relationship is positive because you know how you are when you, you know, why do you choose a certain restaurant? It's not only just because the food, it's because the servers are pretty friendly or the manager comes over and checks on you and says, how was your meal this evening? You know, it's that kind of that same feeling you want to have with your lawyer. And that doesn't come from necessarily sending 15 emails in short succession and not consolidating and taking a few minutes to put your thoughts together um, and send it to the lawyer in a fashion that they can read it and not take too much of the time that you're paying for just reading what you need, um, but instead getting to the task at hand, which is taking care of you. So on that note, as in every episode of Law Talk with BJ, 
I have been sipping on a cup of tea, and I chose this time dandelion chai, in particular because of the dandelion. That plant has a grounding and centering influence. It focuses on our emotions. It helps us prevent being scattered, which is really important in dealing with your lawyer. And it it strengthens you and gives you a stronger sense of self. And I hope that you have a stronger sense of self, that you can, no matter who you are, no matter your educational level, your background, your familiarity with law, that you have a stronger sense of, I have a right to an attorney, I have a right to understand the legal system, and I'm going to assert myself and take control of it, which is hopefully why you're listening to Law Talk with BJ and that you continue to do so. So with that, until next time, BJ Bernstein says goodbye. This podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. With any legal issue, you should reach out to a professional attorney that practices law in the state and area of law for which you need information or consultation. Law Talk with BJ does not establish an attorney-client relationship, which is only formed when you have hired an attorney and signed an engagement agreement or contract. It's Law Talk with BJ Music Theme, written and produced by Atlanta Audible. This podcast copyright 2018, BJ Bernstein Esquire.